Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Beringer Ingelheim through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts. Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. SCA Ventilation and Management Solutions. Made for farmers by farmers since 1966. My name's Dr. Clayton Johnson, and I'm your host for today's episode. Joining me in our podcast studios is Dr. Rachel Shambo, a veterinarian and PhD candidate at the University of Minnesota. Dr. Rachel, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Rachel, um, in case folks out there have not had the opportunity to meet you, please give the audience a little background on yourself. Yeah. So as you said, I'm a veterinarian. I graduated from the University of Wisconsin, and now I'm here at the University of Minnesota working on my PhD. And predominantly, my work is on ASF epidemiology and various types of control strategies for ASF really focused on the context of the United States, but also working with some global projects as well. And I work in the Center for Animal Health and Food Safety with Dr. Andres Perez and a really great team of graduate students, residents, and other veterinarians. So it's a lot of fun. You know, Rachel, we were chatting uh, before we before we started recording here. I had the opportunity to work with uh, Dr. Andres Perez as well on a surveillance project. And I'm tickled to hear that he is working on African swine fever because uh, there's probably no Im- more important disease in the world right now for through the United States pig industry to surveil for than African swine fever. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about your, your research and your efforts towards uh, optimizing surveillance plans for active, act, African swine fever? Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, African swine fever or ASF is a hugely important disease right now. It currently has ongoing outbreaks globally through Asia, Southeast Asia, Russia, even as far through in Europe into Germany as to be less than 10 kilometers from the border with France. And so especially that introduction of ASF in 2021 into Haiti and the Dominican Republic, that makes us a lot more nervous, right, for potential introduction here in the United States. That's the closest it's been to us since, you know, about 40 years ago. And so for ASF, activities like practicing good biosecurity and surveillance are really important because there's no treatment for ASF. There's no, you know, easily accessible approved vaccine that we can use. And even so, it's really difficult to make vaccines for ASF. And so really, it's important that we rely on those activities like surveillance, as I said, in biosecurity to find cases of ASF as quickly as we can, if an introduction does occur, to minimize the size of an outbreak and to keep it from spreading into other areas. Really, if we had an ASF outbreak in the United States, that would be really devastating, right? We would lose our expert markets pretty much immediately. And some papers have estimated that it would cost us about $50 billion over a 10-year scenario. So really, anything we can do to find that first introduction of ASF as quickly as possible is really important. So some of the work that we've been doing at the University of Minnesota is working on what we call enhanced passive surveillance protocols. And so really, in general, when we talk about surveillance, right, that's that activity of going out and looking for the disease in the population. And in the United States, we are lucky that we have access to a lot of really high quality diagnostic tests 
So we're not worried about you know, having the good ability to confirm the disease when we do find it. We have active surveillance plans in place through USDA, and we have a lot of systems in place to expedite testing if we were to find that suspicious case. But what's more uncertain is how do you find that suspicious case in the first place? And when you look at other countries, the amount of time it's taken from the introduction to that first suspicion is really, really variable. And so through these enhanced passive surveillance protocols, what our goal is, is to shorten that time as much as possible from the introduction of ASF into a herd to when a producer or a veterinarian has a suspicion about maybe this animal needs further testing or maybe something else is going on here. Talk to us, Rachel, a little bit about the difference between active surveillance and and passive surveillance. What do those two different terms mean? Yeah, great question. So active surveillance refers to someone like a researcher or a government official going out and searching for that disease, so actively searching for that disease. And so when you have things like sampling of slaughterhouses or some of the new like integrated swine surveillance program for CSF and ASF that USDA has out, those are active surveillance plans because USDA is going out and looking for the disease. And those are great, but they can't cover every situation, right? Passive surveillance is what we call observer-initiated. So that means that you as the observer of your animal, so the swine producer or maybe their veterinarian, will notice that something is unusual in those animals. Maybe you have really high mortality. Maybe you have clinical signs like hemorrhages under the skin or high fever that seem maybe not normal for what you're used to. Maybe it doesn't quite look like PERS or something else. And then you would sort of raise a red flag to your animal health officials saying, hey, I think we need to have some more testing occur. And so that's sort of the part that we want to focus on is how do we help producers and veterinarians feel more confident to make those kinds of reports and feel that they're able to recognize them when they do occur. Wonderful explanation. And I I think ASF is a a disease that certainly warrants passive surveillance uh, because the clinical signs are so impressive. Um, it, it really should bias your testing to optimize your testing resources, right? Uh, like you're saying with active surveillance, if we're going to test all the pigs, that's got a huge cost. And if the pigs don't have clinical signs, the odds of finding an ASF are, are pretty low. Um, talk to us a little bit more about the, the sampling protocols you guys have looked at, Rachel. Yeah, so um, what we've been developing for our EPS protocol over the past year or so is a system that really includes three main components, looking at the biosecurity on the farm, the syndromic surveillance on the farm, and necropsy findings. And so syndromic surveillance here is really referring to that collection of clinical signs that could be associated with ASF. So right, things like fever, hemorrhages under the skin, abortions, just to name a few of them. And what we've done is we've worked with global ASF experts and asked them, you know, if you saw these signs on a farm, how likely do you think that could be ASF or sort of how would you rank or score that? And so we're able to assign different values to these factors. And then the idea is that on a weekly basis, these components would be followed through time and scored. And that would be done by at least the the data collection part of it, I'll say, would be done by the producer or the veterinarian. They would go out and record what they saw on a weekly basis, pretty simply just saying, yes, I saw this or no, I didn't. And then 
at least in this prototype method that we have, that's something then that comes to us and we score it. So we could say, all right, so just, you know, to throw out a make-believe number there, maybe you got 10 because you saw fever plus another five because you saw abortions. In essence, this is really summing up sort of all of these different things that you're seeing. And then this is done on a weekly basis, like I said, and then each week we're following that score. And so for the first couple of weeks, it's really there to provide a baseline, get kind of an idea of where your farm is at. But then over time, you can watch these trends. And then, for example, if you saw a big spike, you might think, hmm, this seems suspicious. Maybe there's something else going on that you know isn't just my background level of influenza or PERS or maybe like whatever your farm is used to. And that might give you some suspicion that maybe it's time to do some further testing, maybe to involve an animal health official in an investigation. And we've actually been fortunate enough to be able to test this protocol in a real world setting in the Dominican Republic. So as I think I said before, the Dominican Republic has ongoing outbreaks of ASF and we were able to work with two farms down there. So one that was a bit more of a larger farm, a little bit more commercial, and then also a smaller farm. And we actually had them track those signs on a weekly basis through 21 weeks. And then we just scored it on our end and then we're able to follow it and use software to detect when we thought it was, you know, an anomalous score. So something that was higher than what their baseline was. And we did have some instances where the score was high enough that we suggested doing some ASF testing and they did do that. Fortunately for them, they were all negative, but we were able to learn a lot of good lessons from doing this process as well. So a, it was something that it was very participatory. So it allowed the producer sort of to take a role in doing the disease surveillance on their farm. And it gave them a tool to use so that they felt more confident in sort of what to look for and maybe how to track this on a daily basis. And then additionally, we learned a lot too about sort of ways we can move forward and hopefully improve it and how we can apply this to other settings as well. So in the future for this protocol, we're really hoping that we're able to test it in Vietnam and the Philippines as well. So we have some collaborations going with those two countries, two other locations that do have ongoing ASF outbreaks as well. So this is something that is very much a work in progress, but we're really hopeful that, you know, long term, this, this sort of a strategy could be a tool for ASF surveillance in the U.S. and in other places too, globally. I love to hear, Rachel, that you're able to practice with the tool in other countries. Um, one of the messages that I share with producers every time I get to talk to them about ASF is we need to practice fighting this battle on on other battlegrounds before it gets here. We don't want to try all these things out when it first shows up here. I'm sure, Rachel, that you've got a, a whole pile of lessons learned. What do you see as kind of next steps with your work? What uh, What is it going to evolve into going forward here? Yeah, great question. So in the future, we're really hoping to take some of these other pieces we've been working on recently. So I'll give you sort of the preview of what we've been working on this summer is really looking at the types of data that swine farms collect with the idea that can this be used to you know, perform disease surveillance or to inform sort of that syndromic surveillance or necropsy findings part of our protocol. As we know, a lot of swine farms will collect data on a daily, weekly basis, on production, on breeding records. What we're not sure is to what extent on disease do they actually track things and, you know, what do they record? What types of disease events are they are they identifying and looking at? And additionally, kind of what are they doing for disease surveillance on farms? Like what kinds of routine testing for diseases or sample types? 
So we, over the summer, sent out a questionnaire to pretty much every sort of Minnesota farm, you know, route that we could access. So like Board of Animal Health newsletters, those kinds of things. And we got lots of responses, which was really great to see. There's always a lot of good involvement in the industry, which we really appreciate. But it was really nice to see that a lot of farms are collecting some form of disease information. A lot of farms, nearly all of them, use some sort of an electronic management system. So I'm referring to something like, you know, MetaFarms or PigChamp. So a lot of these records in some form end up in, you know, an electronic database that might be accessible if you're going to try to use them for disease surveillance. And additionally, a lot of farms are doing fairly routine testing for things like PERS or PEDV. And a lot of farms are collecting pretty routine samples, so things like oral fluids, blood. So then our question is, how can this routinely collected data or these routinely collected samples be used to support FAD, so foreign animal disease or ASF surveillance plans? And so that's something we don't have the answer to yet, but fortunately, we're able to have the Lemon Conference in our backyard here in St. Paul. And so as a part of that, we've organized a workshop where we've invited stakeholders from really across the industry. So producers, veterinarians, we have some IT companies that are able to join in and kind of give us their side of things, um, academia, research. So we're really looking forward to discussing with them about, you know, what are the next steps for EPS in, in the industry? How do we how do you develop these protocols in a way that are applicable to swine farms? You know, what are obstacles that we have to overcome? And I think just on a very basic level, you know, what would be valuable from these types of protocols for swine farmers? Like, right, what do you really need from us in, in academia and research to help you really feel confident in the surveillance that you're doing? So that's sort of on the horizon and you know, fortunately, we're funded through USDA Center for Epidemiology and Animal Health, and they've been awesome with this collaboration as well. So big thanks to them. Um, so I think with their support going forward, these are the conversations that we'll keep having about really how do we perform, you know, passive surveillance in the U.S. Complete ventilation and farm management solutions from SCOV optimize your pig production. Having SCOV as a partner provides you with reliable, high-quality solutions. Visit scov.com for more information. Excellent. I mean, it, it, you're continuing a long legacy at the University of Minnesota, Rachel, of, of doing work that matters and taking science and, and applying it to the field. Um, and you're doing it on an extremely important topic. And uh, I thank you as, as well as I'm sure everybody in the swine industry thanks you, uh, Dr. Perez, and the whole team for the work you're doing. I want to I thank you, uh, Rachel, for coming on the show today. And I also want to thank our, our audience, um, to everybody out there. Thank you very much for, for listening to our podcast, The Swine Health Black Belt. If you haven't visited us on our website, please go check it out. It's swinehealthblackbelt.com. And don't forget to subscribe for the podcast so that you don't miss out on our new episode next week. Thank you very much for coming on. For Dr. Rachel Shambo, uh, I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health-related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbelt at swineit.com, and we would love to take a look at your research. Thank you.